This, this is the Punk Theology Podcast, and you're listening to Season 4. No, you're not. It's fake. It's okay. I am. No, it's not. Yeah, it was not good. No, it wasn't good. Uh, Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Only one Russ. There's only one Russ. Uh, 98.9. The fuck. Four four seasons. Tune in to to the fuck. Four seasons. F-U-Q-K. Or four. So we... Four years we've been doing yeah. this? I didn't think when we started wow. doing this we'd be doing it for four years. But yeah, it has been three and a half. Not going to lie, I'm moderately upset that we're not all retired gazillionaires. <laughs> yeah, that this yeah, hasn't so. taken off. Yeah. As we were promised. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? We're putting out such great content Aren't that we? nobody cares. <laughs> thanks, Carlton. Carlton, yeah. Thanks, Carlton. <laughs> Carlton's still our one awesome supporter. But that's that's what's interesting about this content, though, and is that nobody likes it? <laughs> nobody, likes not it. necessarily nobody likes it, but the fact that any kind of content where you start to pull back the layers of of I don't know if it's ego or just people's kind of day to day, it's kind of tough. Like it's it's hard. Yeah, to, it's not something it, that you just listen to. Some of it's hard to listen to, yeah, <laughs> unless you're going through something or. I don't know. You have to what be fucked attracts up people. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's like we've said before. We have a really, really shitty group of friends. <laughs> it's the worst club ever. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, you too can be a part of it. <laughs> like the Breakfast Club. But that's what people join now. People. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, oh, there's wait. more. For 1995. Um, but I think that's what attracted people to the Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club, that movie, was mm-hmm. kind of like this. Is Six they get in a room? <laughs> <laughs> they get in a room and they peel back the layers. But you kind of—it's uh, kind of like a voyeur, and then you're peeking into somebody's true. life. Yeah, we're uh, and there's no exhibitionist. There's no risk for, right. for the listener. Emotional exhibitionist. That's right. Because they're just peering into our lives. Yeah, which is scary. Nobody will pay money to see me naked, so this is the next best thing. I saw, I saw a meme on Facebook. It's, I'm going to start selling my uh, nudes on Facebook. $5 for a nude, $25, and I won't send you any. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So please, send us $25 and we will stop we'll sending stop you nudes. Sending you nudes. <laughs> yeah. I remember going to a piano bar and the guy, like, that's what they do is they got a tip jar up there and he'll play tunes. You put mm-hmm. money in the thing and he'll play tunes. And then he would just start playing randomly. He'd start playing some shitty Barbra Streisand and mm-hmm. singing Barbra Streisand. And, as, and people as, come up to shut him to, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just give us money to, to shut up. So it's Halloweenish. It's Halloween, Halloween time. That's as right. We're sipping some 
Elysian Night Owl. That's right. I used to get this shit for free when we started yeah, this podcast. Yeah, that was 10 podcast. bucks for a six-pack. I could get a, I, for a $5 pizza. Hooker? Well, it's in South Seattle. Okay. I don't go to South Seattle anymore. Yeah, yeah, but you used to get like $150 worth of beer. I know. Yeah. For like, <laughs> it's, it's worth the drive. For like 10 to 20 bucks worth of pizza. Yes. I would get, and it depended on what they were making at the time. Like, uh, you used to come home with trunkfuls. Oh, yeah. Beer. <laughs> One time they gave me as much as I could carry of this. Yeah, because they were going to throw it because it didn't fill up the bottle. I guess because of the born on date and all that shit and how long it sits on the shelves, it has to be 12 ounces of beer. And if it's not, it'll go bad faster. It's just a whole thing. So they throw it. One time I pulled up there and it was it was uh, uh, fucking Space Dust, which is one of their most expensive. Yes. And he goes, he goes, oh, man, if you were here 15 minutes ago, we just threw a pallet of Space Dust into the, the crusher. <laughs> That crushes the glass, you know. I'm like, oh crap! Really? Don't tell me that. <laughs> it was a damn stoplight. Yeah. yeah, lie to me. Say that. Yeah. But they get that one time. I did show up in Night Owl. It was the pumpkin beer, and it was just not too far before Halloween when they knew they weren't going to sell it anymore mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving or whatever. And they said, uh, "Take as much as you want, as much as you can fit in the car." You can have. This is, this is my favorite year for seasonal ales. Because you go to McMammon's in uh Bob We're talking Northwestern beer. Yes, yeah, we're sorry. But they've got okay. they've got a black porter, black you widow. Visit. You gotta black come visit Widow here. Porter. Oh yeah, it's oh, great. Oh that's it's beautiful. Yeah, and just yeah. let us know when you come visit and we can have you on the show. Yes, yeah. that's right. We'll have a listener party. I still want to have a listener party at the fucking, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the place we would go. Word. The one bar that we visit a lot. Bruce? Bruce. Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Which kind of goes with the theme of punk theology. Right? Yes. So, four years, what are we talking? What are we doing? How, what are we, how are we kicking off the new season? I think we're going to talk about how shitty our lives are. My life is all right. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Right? <laughs> My life could be worse. That's something I was thinking about today is positive thinking. I'm a mechanic now, which is kind of cool. Like, I've decided to do a career change, and I've talked about that on the show before. But every day I wake up and go, wow, like, did this work? Or am I fake? Like, am I, did I just pull the wool over people's eyes? And I'm, I'm, You've got some imposter syndrome. Yeah, no, yeah, a little bit. But then they gave me clothes. I'm wearing a jacket, and I can't talk so about it. So now you're a good imposter. So they, they bought me the clothes. <laughs> so I guess I made the cut. I don't know. They hired a master tech who they're paying this guy like a, like twice what they're paying me as an entry-level mechanic. Um, and he got the clothes right away. <laughs> that and his name is Tony. That might be part That's of it. That's true. Yeah. There's a lot of Tonys in the world. You're going to go to a mechanic named Tony. For Ed. Ed's not good, Al. too. Not yeah. Al. Yeah. Not Al. Not Al. Not good. Yeah. No. Got a Change your name if you're right. your mechanic. Or I'm thinking about the industrial uh, place that we go that does our laundry and shit, right? Like, they probably have a lot of Tony. Go to yeah. the T section. Oh, uh, go to the T section. <laughs> 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 Sorry, all the Italians out there. Our section of Ross. Right? But make sure you get a Ross. <laughs> There's a lot of Rosses too. Yeah, Ross and Ross. I, I had to. I don't know. It was weird. But I guess I'm a keeper. I don't know. 
Or they had an extra jacket. <laughs> or they had an extra jacket. Yeah. They, they, well, they needed another tax write-off for the year, Russ. I got five. Love you, buddy. <laughs> no, I get six shirts a week. So I get six shirts. I get pants. And everybody I totally went with they're buying you six shirts a week. I'm like, you don't have to do laundry. That's great. I know. Yeah, just great. throw it away. Yeah, just throw it away. Well, you throw it in a shoot, and it comes back the next week. Magic. There's some magic that goes on. I don't know. I don't have to ruin my own fucking watch. This is fascinating uh, podcast material. Yes. It is. But, so my point, my point in all of that is that this looking at life as an adventure, and I know that sounds stupid, maybe cliche and positive thinking and all of that, but it's sort of how I've lived. Like if I, I don't like doing sales. I can't do it anymore. I'd probably make more money if I was good at it, but I can't. So... Now I'm just an average schmo working for a, a place. Are we going to reboot the show? <laughs> nope, I was just checking the injury still. Steve, yeah. what did you want to talk about? Well, the thing is, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm being more res- retrospective, I guess. And the idea of bullies, I was bullied growing up, and I think... I'm trying to think how many times do I bully today? Do I bully now? To get my way, to get my point across, to not listen. Uh, bully the salesman when they call. Mm-hmm. Bully the, the cable company. Bully the security company. Trying to get better pricing. What's the male version of a Karen? Aaron? Kevin. Is it Kevin? Is it Kevin? Or yeah. a Ken? <clears throat> Him. That's a good one. But I think we've all we've all been bullied, if we're honest. And I think we all bully. The bully thing is interesting because I've thought about it recently and thinking about the times when I was a kid when I was bullied. Because I was definitely bullied badly. But there was also times where I was just really sensitive. And... Uh, and extrapolating more from what was going on than what was really there. And being hurt by things that weren't necessarily as hurtful as they were intended to be. Um, and I've been in that situation, I've been in the, the inverse situation um, where I was dealing with someone really sensitive that I didn't realize was that sensitive. And I was just kind of flipping them shit because you know, I was trying to be affable. And uh, they got really hurt and kind of realizing, like, oh, man, like, you're just really, really sensitive, which is okay. Um, But trying to allow myself to be honest with how that actually went down. Um, And also, you know, it's weird trying to remember um, what actually happened in those situations. Um, Because I don't know that I've perfectly nailed what was going on. I think a lot, I've been thinking a lot about it because my daughter's been bullying my son quite a bit um having some breath she's covid's fucking with her so it's kind of coming out in some of her behavior mm-hmm. and so and then thinking about because i was terrible with my siblings like really terrible um <clears throat> and just remember where that came from and i think especially my my middle brother a lot of it was me trying to toughen him up because he was so sensitive and uh, 
and in retrospect, all I did was make our house an unsafe place for him. Yeah. Like the one place that he thought he could, that he was supposed to be able to go to be safe, he wasn't able to go to. Because um, I made his life miserable all the time. But like some some sick part of me thought I was helping. Like I was giving him something that he needed mm-hmm. to toughen him up a little bit. Well, I think too, at least for me, I, I found that <clears throat> because I was bullied uh, growing up, and even since then, I've been bullied. Uh, when you find somewhere that you believe is safe, you tend to attach more to it than is there. Yeah. Because you're attaching something that you feel you need, a safe place. And they're just being, since they're just not bullying you, so you, you attach a whole lot more to that relationship than is really in that relationship. And that kind of... We'll piggyback a little bit on our can we be friends with women as men and not be our wives because I've been I've been in relationship with women that feel safe and I can feel emotions starting to churn and I'm realizing wait a minute that's not what that's about that's just about finally being heard listened to mm-hmm. and empathized with Misha and I have been talking a lot about codependency and kind of examining our codependency with each other. Uh, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about there. Yeah, is, I think so. Is when you've gone so long without feeling like you have someone to attach to. Mm-hmm. When you do make that attachment, you oftentimes invest more than you probably ought to yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you're just trying to get some stability. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that'll scare people off <laughs> yeah which sucks it does it, it's always such a tragedy that the people that need attachment the most are the most scary to, to, to other people typically mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, and yeah and then you then you usually end up over investing to the point where you're really dependent on them mm-hmm. and, uh, and that starts to bring up some perilousness issues yeah. over time um, where you've invested in them heavily and your expectation of return is really, really high. And so then when it's not paying off like you had in your head, uh, then shit gets weird. Well, and even even in in relationship with guys, I tend to hold back for that same reason uh, because expecting something to be there uh, from... As far back as I can remember, when my emotions would be exposed, I was not supposed to feel. I was bullied for my emotions. Mm-hmm. If and how, what, what did that, that look like? Can you give an example? Uh, what do you mean? What it looked like? <clears throat> like if, if somebody was bullying you for your emotions, like it, like crying or something like that. Yeah, or if I felt disappointed and I was mm-hmm. told not to. And then I push it down, and then it would come out as in rage, anger, mm-hmm. anger, and, and uh, which is the socially acceptable way for men to express yeah. their yeah. disappointment. Yeah. And now just realizing that's what that is. And sixty-four and a half years old, and I'm just now starting to really press in and lean into my emotions and figure, okay, what's this about? Right. And that's what we were chatting about before we went on is uh, free writing. Is just writing down my thoughts, writing down feelings, because a lot of times we struggle. Especially those of us that if we've, been, if we've been bullied more than the average person, you don't have words to describe what it is you're feeling. That's the hardest part is to put words, put language to what it is that's inside yeah. you. 
I mean, I, I think just as I've known the four of us in this room, we all struggle with that to, to a degree as putting language to what it is that's going on inside of us. So here's, here's something interesting that I, speaking of women and, and emotions and bullying, my wife uh, watches every so often, like, she doesn't watch it with me because I can't, I can't. But she'll watch the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I can't either. God, I can't <laughs> right. either. My dog loves But it. when I sat there and watched it for a little while, the fascinating thing that I saw was they were really good at not just extrapolating, but talking about what they were going through with each other and just, just putting language to their feelings. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of fascinating. And then I'm like... It's what a else TV is on? <laughs> no. it's, it, it's it is a, a TV, TV show. show, but it's it's recording. I don't know if that's what if that's what's fascinating. That's why that show's been on for twenty fucking years or whatever. It just went off the air. Yes, it's the one I thing twenty twenty. One thing that <laughs> people. Oh, we can't watch Kardashians anymore. But it, it 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 was that what you're describing. Like, is that a man thing where men aren't good at that? Because I think maybe women are better at talking about what that feels like like hey that guy just said something really shitty to you steve what does that feel like you know if somebody asked me what do you feel like now russ after that guy said that thing to you i'm like i don't know you know i don't know if that is a gender thing or not or we need a safe person to even talk about how we feel about the thing that you just asked me right is this an environment where i can share that yeah i don't know if it's if it's if that's a cultural thing or if that's a genetic thing yeah, or an age thing, like you know, being older. I'm a Gen X well, boomer. We need a we need a woman in here. Is it is it they feel safer expressing and putting language to what they're feeling to each other, and struggling to cross the gender barrier, and we just have problems expressing it. Period. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's male we tend or to feel it, and then realize that later. Maybe is that a guy thing, or am I being too general? Mm-hmm. I'm not like that, so... <laughs> you just I'm feel pretty, it and I'm it's pretty, written on your face, kind of? I'm pretty good at putting words to my emotions. I'm not necessarily good at feeling my emotions, which is why mushrooms are so helpful. Hmm. Uh, I just did mushrooms again, what was that, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Um, and it's amazing how the emotions just come front and center uh, to the point where... It's hard to control, mm. uh, and and I become, yeah, and the emotions start to put weight on things that are there. They put both put weight on things that have been there and hidden for a long time, and I'm just realizing. And they also put weight on things more than <clears throat> they ought to. So in some ways, I extrap, I end up extrapolating, and getting all offended and hurt about things that are not as big of a deal as they feel in the moment. But at the same time, I'm also feeling things that I've been feeling for a really long time mm. that I haven't given value to. Um, so the most recent uh, trip, the theme that came up was care, uh, which was it was really interesting because it was just me that did the trip. So Arthur and Chuck and John were there, and none of them took mushrooms. It was just me, and they were just there to hang out. Support me, yeah. Nice. Uh, And so that was kind of the theme of the trip, and it really brought a lot of stuff forward. Um, Most specifically, my marriage. Um, Trying to figure out how to feel cared for in my marriage, and communicating that with Misha. 
mm-hmm. uh, has been a big theme. Uh, but yeah, but in and uh, especially the days after the trip, like my emotions were just super hot, super super hot. I ended up crying super hard a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, which was really nice, but also scary. Um, well, that was right before our Monday here, right? When yeah, that was Saturday and Monday, because I could, I could feel that you were there. Yeah, and I had even just what happened with. So what happened was, uh, my brother-in-law was selling a van or was selling some things out of a van, and the guy showed up and had to <coughs> deconstruct a good portion of it. It took him a long time to do. It was really loud, and we were trying to record. Yeah. And the whole thing just really irked me. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I was in a pretty sensitive spot still. Uh-huh. And a lot of that stuff was still forward and frustrating. I felt like I needed to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I kind of got cut off at the knees a little bit. And I felt like I was in a really good groove and a really good spot. And things were flowing. And then it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but I was able to... And I was upset about it. But in the end, I was able to talk it through with Misha without being a jerk about it. I could, I was able to tell her like that was really disappointing, and I'm frustrated, but I know that it wasn't your fault, and that you didn't have anything to do with it. Right. Uh, but yeah, that I was definitely, and and uh, things haven't been as hot the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm also I'm on an SSRI. And that's the first time I've done mushrooms on an SSRI, and things are definitely different. <coughs> and I'm wondering if... How long have you been on the SSRI? Uh, six months or so. Okay. Uh, no, it's been longer than that. About a year. Um, and uh, and I think my mushroom head, as it were, that, that lingering emotional stuff just doesn't last as long with them with, on the SSRI. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been kind of unfortunate, because I because I like kind of that long, emotional, lingering feeling, but also kind of fucks with me. Um, if I, you know, six, seven months down the road, I'm still struggling, struggling emotionally. Um, but I did get three good weeks where it really brought some stuff forward. Um, it's been really interesting how marijuana's changed since I did the last mushroom trip. Because um, when I'm high... I'm about nine years old. Mm. Always have been. Uh, which I think is... My sister brought this to my attention because she's always the same age when she gets high too. Uh, kind of a young kid. And it was a, I think nine was like the last time I was comfortable in my body. I was really happy. Mm. Um, and so that's just kind of where I go. Um, and s- struggling with some of these really intense emotions against Misha and some of these frustrations, it's been interesting getting high because that totally evaporates. And I go back to this nine-year-old kid who just kind of wants to be taken care of uh, and wants things to be comfortable and easy. Um, and so, like, off every Thursday I go over to John's place and we smoke some weed and watch Baywatch. Um, <laughs> we've been doing that since quarantine started in February, uh, which has been really fun. But, uh, but this last two times I went over... Um, yeah, just felt really intensely. Uh, like I couldn't remember why I was upset with Misha. Mm. Like, and the whole time I kept was just like, like, this is your fault. Just go home and apologize. 
was where I was the whole time, which was really when you were high. Yeah, when I was high. And then I came out of it, and then I put everything back together again and could remember kind of when I was upset. But it took the edge off of a lot of that. Right. Of like, of because some some parts of me were I had caught a lot of momentum in my frustration with Misha. to the point where I was kind of questioning the viability of the relationship in some ways. And I think I started to run with it. Um, yeah, that's part of your ego that's popping up trying to save you? from. I, I don't think it's ego. It's So it, what it is, it's, so I have those selves inside of me. Mm-hmm. It's that vulnerable self. Mm-hmm. So that nine-year-old vulnerable kid uh, comes out, and it just wants to be taken care of, but not in a complicated adult way, and like a super simple kid way. Like, I want someone to hug me and make me a cheese sandwich and watch cartoons with me. Right. Type of... I get that. I get that. And uh, and that's not... I mean, life is way more complicated than that, and I am an yeah. adult. Right. But it brought that back up as a higher priority than it had been. Because mm-hmm. I've kind of been poo-pooing that and shitting on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that part of me came forward and said, no, like, we still want this we want comfortable you know fun nurturing right uh, so what had happened is that there was another self that appeared that uh, about a year ago that uh, was really exploratory and it's a self that I'd kind of killed after I had kids because I just had to stay home and take care of the kids right uh, and I couldn't be off exploring responsibility yeah and I just and that was just not the type of father that I wanted to be was uh, I wanted to be you know the home dad um, and putting as much effort into raising the kids as my wife was uh, and now the kids are getting to the point where they just don't need the care that they need to mm-hmm. so some of that exploratory stuff is coming back and the summer really caught fire and I started really leaning into some of that exploration stuff and I started to feel some of the momentum pulling me out of the house a little bit um, but that mushroom trip combined with talking with that nine-year-old even balanced things out again. So it's been really interesting. Misha and I have been talking a lot. There's been a lot of really emotional, intense discussions, especially the last couple of weeks. And COVID makes that way harder. Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to, yeah, we're just, I mean, some part of us is just kind of sick of each other. Yeah. And the stress is high in our house. And Misha's really struggling with work. And, you know, the kids are there and so that just puts makes things more intense but in, in a way a lot of shit's been said that needed to be said a long time ago um, and and COVID is t- tough because it hasn't allowed us to escape but I think in a way it's been really good and that's has forced us to talk about shit right I'm curious about the, the codependency around that so yeah. that's kind of what like that it's almost like a motherly thing, like you were saying about. Yeah, that. kind of. Which I'm, and I'm wrestling with the how much of that is okay and how much of that isn't. Uh, actually, I think Misha tends to be a lot more codependent than I am. Um, she's got a really strong attachment to me, which mm-hmm. has been coming up recently. Um, I actually ended up leaving the house for a day. Uh, like I thought I was after a fight yeah yeah after a really intense discussion Mm -hmm. and I texted Misha and told her I wasn't going to be coming home um, for a couple days I ended up coming home that night 
Um, but uh, but yeah, things were just really hot. Wow. And uh, and in and it was good for Misha because in that moment she realized she didn't really have anybody else to lean on mm. in that moment because she because again we we're talking about investment and she has invented invested so much in me and realized so much on me for she realized on me so much emotionally that it started to impede her ability to take care for me mm. um, because she yeah she. It's kind of leveraged herself to the point um, where she, she doesn't have enough distance to be able to, to care for my emotions at times um, because she has so much resting on me. So, so you're able to express that? Those You're, you're able to put language to those? Yeah, stories? we've had some really good long discussions. Right. Um, and we're both... I actually, I met with, with Dan because we were talking... Oh, cool. uh, this right before I took the mushrooms, I met with Dan. And it was super good. And he was super helpful. But he gave me this analogy, which really stuck in the moment. And I've been thinking about it ever <clears> since. <throat> he said, uh, our marriage is like a bolo, not the tie. But like the, the uh, you thought tie, right? I did tie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, like two leg weights uh, oh, with, yeah. a, with a yeah. rope tying together. Yeah. And cowboys in Argentina use it to wrap up cows and legs and stuff pretty effective yeah. and you, you throw it and it spins around itself mm-hmm. uh, and the center of gravity is actually in the middle of the rope it's not on either end of the right. of the lead weight and uh, he said you guys are like that and you and he said Derek you have a lot of forward momentum and it feels like she is holding you back he said what is actually happening is you're, you're actually moving forward but you're spinning around each other at the same time so you get a little bit of forward momentum, and then all of a sudden you you feel like you're moving back again. Um, and it was such a it was kind of a weird analogy, but for some reason in the moment it really landed on me hard, uh, and I was able to see that she wasn't as much holding me back as much as she was just slowing some of my momentum because mm-hmm. some of my momentum was a little bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was starting to think like. Maybe this would be better if I we weren't attached. Like, like I'd be able to just get what I need better. Uh, but that's not how a bolo works. And right. you don't, and then it's just a lead weight flying off into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It doesn't actually do what it's supposed to do. Um, so that was really helpful. And I've been talking for too long. Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> so, Chuck. How are you doing? How are you How's doing? your bolo, Chuck? My bolo is amazing. <laughs> I'm I'm not a bolo. I'm just a lead weight flying through the air. You're about to become a bolo. I am. Do you have Do you have language for your feelings? No. God, no. I used to explain to people that I have three feelings. What were they? And happy, angry, and dead. Because hmm. uh, the yeah. third feeling was nothing. Nothing. Right. Um, that sounds healthy. Well, it was super, <laughs> it was super healthy. Uh, super healthy. And a lot of times, the the happy and the angry feelings, they were just drunk. I mean, I'd medicate them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning how to put feeling or words to my feelings. It's It sucks because at times I feel like I'm, well, a little kid, which I am. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like Derek. Emotionally, we kind of all are, right? No. No? We're a bunch of little kids st- stuffed inside of great big... <laughs> Adult suit, complex, like, yeah. Trying to make complex shit work, yeah. fucking history, <laughs> and all that, yeah. 
smarts and all that shit. Absolutely. Anyway. So yeah, a just, little kid underneath. It just sucks because it, it's just I was never I was never taught to even wonder if there's a language for any of my emotions. Yeah. Um, like you, Steve, I was told to just be quiet. You know, if you were sad and upset and crying, it was I'll give you something to cry oh, about. Shakalaka, yes. Mm-hmm. I heard that so many times. And well, yeah, so I can't go on for hours like Derek can about his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get there. You know, put words to him, but God, it's hard because that that voice from the past, your feelings don't matter. Why well, you should do mushrooms? <laughs> it's as far as the having a bolo. It's actually very exciting. Um, Katie and I have been having some really difficult conversations recently. Um, most of them have to deal with my past, and others are current situations that are going on that can't be discussed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's good. And it's just, it's crazy because it's not actually, it's comforting. Um, because there's a lot of myself just see her as being a safe person. And have you had that level of safe person before? Specifically to female? Maybe, but I wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. You weren't using it. And I yeah. And I were didn't understand or even let myself use it. Yeah. Really. Um But then also realizing that she's just as fucked up as the rest of everybody else and it's almost like she's learning that I'm safe and how to use a safe person you know effectively so it's that's the struggle isn't it is Derek hit on earlier is that when you find that that person you immediately just want to smother but to realize no they're safe and you don't need to do that yeah because they're they'll stay there I think maybe that's the emotion that you're that's coming to the surface, Steve, is the, the bullying thing, right? Is feeling like you need to smother. Oh, yeah. Is that part of it? Oh, yeah. Like, this person maybe sees you naked or something? Yeah. It's kind of a double clutch, come here, come here, get away, get away, come here, come here, is what happens for me. Because it's like, like I need you, I need you, and then you have a moment where like, this is scary how much I need you. Like, get yeah. the fuck out. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, oh, no, 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 don't go away. I need you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, don't go so all the way away. Yeah. Finding a way to actually rest in the middle <clears throat> and just be okay with it. With like, this is a safe person. They're not going away. I'm not going away. And it seems like we have a lot of time together. And just being okay with that is way harder than it should be. Yeah. All this makes me pissed off at Freud because I keep hearing fucking Freud coming up <laughs> in his conversations like the, the mother thing, you know. He was right. He was just a dick about it. Yeah, he, he was, was a dick about it. He, he was, was one of the first ones that really got a, that started to explore it. Yeah. yeah. Which you think at the time, oh God, he must have been bullied in the in the in that field with his with his. Oh, he still is. Yeah. <laughs> well, He's been dead for you know. Yeah, hundred years, over hundred years. Um. But I felt that my wife and I got to that point in our relationship. I talked about that some on this podcast about partners, you know, 
getting to the place where we're partners and not so much the whether it was a Christian thing that we grew up in where we have to be married to stay married for the kids and we put our kids through hell just wearing on each other and I think part of that wasn't that we were sharing our emotions we were just mad and then and then projecting that anger onto each other like that bolo is a good analogy yeah, good. whatever the fuck it was we found some reason to get angry at each other over it what, whatever the fuck we were spinning around you know bills or even the kids you know raising a family is stressful but yeah that that feeling of of don't don't go don't go oh go <laughs> you know get the fuck out no i don't need a mother you know and then she's like then you can do your own fucking laundry <laughs> or whatever <laughs> yeah. right you know well that's not what i'm saying i need a mate yeah i do need a mate because that's what she hears right <laughs> yeah. right and see that's that stress that's that bolo right like that she hears you just want a fucking maid you don't want you know someone to fuck and do your laundry right. a good mate yeah, and I'm and I'm like I I don't need so. you to tell me what to do. Like I want I want to be free. This is my life. I want to do the things I want to do, um, and not be questioned or shit on about it. So that's where I, we've been, and we're in a better place now. Um, we didn't get sick of each other during COVID, which I thought we were. We had some hard conversations and a few fights, but. Nothing like we had in the past when the kids were little and we weren't actually in this more kind of partnership place. Well, things for us started to open up just about the perfect time. We had a few pretty good fights during it. Mm -hmm. But she went back to school. Uh, what she's doing, my wife is a nurse in the school district, so what she's doing now is visiting schools. She's actually been up at Evergreen uh, for the last week organizing they're organizing their hard copy records to put them in the clouds so she's out of the house so she's getting back to where we were i come home i have the house alone i'm by myself with my dog so first thing i do is i bring my dog and go for a walk and then i'm alone with him and the, and the computer and my phone it's awesome and it came at just the right time because the tension was starting to i had no i couldn't get away you know, that's why the dog was getting a lot of walks. But the kids, some of the, the kids have picked up on picked up on a lot of that tension growing up, and I've chatted with them on it. Um, because that was, I look at both our parents, my wife's parents and my parents, and both our dads wanted the caretaker. Mm. Uh, where my mom... Out of their wives, you mean? Yeah, out of their wives. They wanted the... The maid? Yeah, the maid, the, you know, help with... The nurse. And the, the nurse, and... Because I remember my mom would tell me, would say, you know, we'd be at family gatherings, my dad was still alive, and dad would look over and he goes, Mother, you ready? You know, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. And I remember the first gathering, family gathering we had after my dad was gone, mom said, I'm staying, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I saw a sight, and that was the same thing with my wife's family. Um, my father-in-law, after they divorced... He got a lady friend that was that mother to him, that would care for him. And, and he did the yard work. He did the maintenance. But she fixed the dinner. She kept the house. And did they ever consummate their relationship? I don't really care. Uh, but I see a lot of that in us. You know, my wife wants 
my wife wants to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that guy who's going to buy her the BMW. And that's just not, I've never been that guy. Uh, but Is again, that how she wants to be taken care of? I think she'd prefer not to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think she had this mindset of being the, because she married, she, she met me in a Bible college and she thought she was marrying a pastor. Mm-hmm. And that ship sank uh, about 20 years ago. And where I have absolutely no, and that was never my, that was, ne- looking back, that was never my vision. That was others for me. And I was trying to live up to that. Because mm-hmm. it's like we've talked about. You grow up in the church, and if you're serious about God, you go to the Bible college. If you're really serious about God, you're going to go to the ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I was just trying to pretend. And, uh, but those, those, that COVID thing, when it opened up a little bit, that's, that was, that was great. Uh, then everyone stopped going to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much of that, also that social fucking thing, you know, that ties people together, when it's not there anymore... Well, like, we're, not, we're not all in the church thing. Like, you guys still go to church, which is interesting. And there's still that weird, is there still weird friction to that social connection? Uh, I don't that. know if I miss it. Part of me misses it, but part of me is like, it'd be really weird today with that. I don't miss it at all. I feel the same way as when I graduated from college. Really? Like, like I started... Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good I, analogy. Like, graduate. I, I, I started working and I was like, fuck, I hated school. I did not realize how much I hated school until I stopped going to school. Mm. Really? And the same thing with church. Where, like, I stopped and I was like, oh, this is way better. Way better. Like, I do not miss it. Mm. Even a little bit. We we haven't been in church the same Sunday Mm-mm. for... <clears throat> months? Months. Six months? Seven months? Eight months? I don't know. February. I can't remember the last time we were in church together. Wow. February? It must have been February, yeah. It was pre-COVID. But it's like, okay, so is it guys that, that frequent bars? Are they in the same boat because you can't go to a bar? Yeah, for sure. You know, you don't have well, that. I think it depends. I, I think, for, go ahead. Yeah, there's that whole, I mean, there's there's a million different versions of that social yeah. thing that people yeah. do instead of church. Little clubs and all types yeah. of things. That, yeah, well, I've known guys that golfed. Yeah. Once a month, they're men's golf. They go out and play 18 holes. They get there, play their 18 holes, have lunch, have a beer, have a cigar out in the deck if they can. Mm-hmm. And that was their that was their guy's time. And it was those four guys. My my brother in law's dad does it. That's his that's his mm-hmm. social gathering. He still goes to church, but that's his big gathering. But that's different than having a spiritual life. I Is think it? that's maybe Yeah. I think that How? Because you're not for me, I don't know. Like, I think I've been in a sort of a deconstruct mode ever since I met Derek, and that was like, God. "Thanks, Derek." Yeah, my fuck everything. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, it was way back. Like, uh, what ten? God, how long? It was ago born was that. It was over ten years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I didn't get church. I still didn't. You know, I went to a church, but I didn't. I wasn't a religious. I always not considered. I hate religion, but I love getting into the the kind of clockwork of existence and maybe even philosophy and mm-hmm. theology plays into philosophy so you like practical that, theology yeah. practical philosophy yeah and right. I used to say that in the community groups like I'd go in there and just like pour myself out and nobody would mm-hmm. really understand it was awesome 
We had all these little <laughs> cute, freak people, quaint little church women, and Russian women just okay, so. blow the fucking group up. It was so good. Their eyes were this big. And you know, realize shit. Shit. <laughs> fucking shit. You do realize the only wanna... reason we're here, the four of us, is Marshall. No, I never went to Marshall. No, but I wouldn't have met you nope. if I had been to Marshall. Nope. Because I've never nope. gone to Fort Gardner. But I think that, <laughs> yeah. I think that so, it's deeper than that. Let's what's Marshall again? It's a cult. It was oh, a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never a part of the cult. Yeah, you were. No, yeah, you yeah. Just, it was such a good cult. Yes, <laughs> that's the best cult. You <laughs> don't even know you're a part of it. In the book of Acts, you've been chapter 17. You didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that... My attitude towards community group at the time was, I have enough fucking friends. Uh-huh. I don't need a social club. I'm trying to figure this whole life thing out. Right. And you guys are a great place to do that because everybody claims to believe in this this deity that's kind of controlling everything or whatever the fuck is going on. I'm really interested in that. Like, why are we all here still alive doing life? And, <laughs> and I would bring up, I don't know, I would just... Dispel. You're in a. You, it, was a it was a spiritual. You are in the church for a very different reason than the vast majority of people that go to church. Yeah, church. yeah. Most but people I mean, that go to yeah, church. Community groups aren't to go figure out. They were life. on ours. <laughs> but I think part of that was also me going to to recovery groups back in the yeah. day. You know. Like, why is all this spiritual shit happening in the basement of the church, right? Yeah. Well, all the people upstairs are up there faking it, you know. If I want to start a business, like, if I was a real estate guy or even an auto mechanic fucking just doing my own thing, church would be a great place to get prospects, you know, and customers and shit like that. Or just a social, you need friends, like you were saying, they could just have some people, it's just their social. And that's okay. It's, it's. But, that's not, that's not spiritual to me. That's most, not figuring shit out. Say 95% of people go to church to feel safe. That's what they're looking mm, for. And that's what the maybe. church is mostly catered to. And unfortunately, Christianity is a pretty shitty religion at making people feel safe. Like, that's not really what Jesus was well, about. It makes so a lot much. of sense. You, yeah, I know it wasn't. But if you think about the division in this country, like, there's, you know, there's churches that are Democrat, there's churches that are Republican, and they have, they have different sermons, and you can feel safe with your little right. tribe yeah. in that place. And so I think that's part of the social bullshit but, too. But I think Christianity actually has, is way more effective using it like you used it. I think it's a way better tool for self-exploration mm-hmm. and dealing with your shit and pulling stuff out of yourself. Is that what we're talking about when we're talking about spirituality? Uh, I think that's where spirituality is most useful. Mm. Is it? It's a. It's a way to... S- you know, you'd always talk about C.S. Lewis's sneaking around your dragons analogy. Yeah, yeah. I think spirituality and religion is is a very effective tool at sneaking around those, those sneaking around dragons. your ego, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's so you know. Again, if we're talking about selves, there's the managers mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that really control everything, and yeah. and spirituality and religions a very good way can be a very good way to sneak around those, but most people use it. To reinforce their managers. Yeah. There is a great line. There's books written. Yeah. <laughs> money made. Yeah. There's a great line in the Kurt Russell movie of Tombstone. Mm. Oh, God, that's incredible. But there's a line when Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday's dying. 
and uh, he comes off his deathbed and backs wider, Kurt Russell, and one of the guys says to Val Kilmer's character, he goes, Hell, Doc, why do you do this? And he goes, because he's my friend. And he goes, I don't have, I have a lot of friends. I wouldn't do that. And he goes, I don't. Yeah, I remember that. That particular line tears me up every time because that's where I am. I think that's what I, I look for is, is a friend. You know, that it's safe. And I think in that movie, Wyatt Earp was safe mm -hmm. to Doc Holliday. All Doc shit. It was out there, and, and, and Wyatt Earp knew it, Kurt Russell's mm -hmm. character. And he says, and then out of the line, still, even just saying it, I can feel the emotion build up. I don't. Mm -hmm. That's me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think that's why I go to church a lot of times, you know, is to find that safe friend. That's why I hang out with you guys. Um, I remember met, met you that morning at IHOP when you brought the boys in for the men's breakfast. I don't know if you remember that. I remember I'd seen you at church, and I'd never, I'd never, never met you. He said, you here for the men's breakfast? Yeah. I go, hi, I'm Steve. And Kane and uh, Noah were there with you. And you're safe. Now I get emotional on you, but that's a good place to end the plane. That's a great place to end the plane. Amen. I could watch that movie. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is my daddy and what does he do? That's a huge bitch! Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't kick it out! What's the matter? I have a headache. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. What I meant was, you tell me, who is your daddy and what does he do?